many of us have an opportunity to really recommit and vow to make this life the most meaningful and not in a way of pressure or beating yourself up, but in a way of truly devoting yourself to cultivating self-love, finding out what it is that you were created to do. What do you love? What did you love as a child? What is unique to you? Or what is something that you love? And really devoting this self-love to yourself and understanding that when you do that, that ripples out. It ripples out into your partners, your children, your community, just the creation and the in the energetic of life. You know, we have an opportunity to almost in honor to those who chose this transition point. And that's my perspective. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess, your host. And right by my side is my soulmate, my coach, my training partner, and business partner, BJ. We are the honored stewards of the force that is Yogi Triathlete, and we are on a mission to create a better world. Through many brave moments, we have continued to create momentum and awareness of the performance benefits of living a mindful life and incorporating meditation as a non-negotiable for endurance training. We are living what we teach every day, and although we've had some of our most terrifying moments on this path, meditation and mindful living is always there to remind us that there is nothing to fear and that our greatest expression, every answer we could ever need, and the key to joy in this life is already within us. You guys, this earth is a school, and Yogi Triathlete exists to assist the athletes who are ready to unlock their greatness and be at the head of their class on and off the race course. The YTP has been bringing meaningful conversations to the endurance sports world for over four years. And what many of you may not know is that the first spark was lit on a cold November day as BJ and I drove to Western Massachusetts for a yoga retreat in celebration of our anniversary. It was on that ride that BJ introduced me to our guest today. He had recently finished reading a book about a guy who transformed his life through a plant-based diet and went on to become an Ultraman athlete. At the time, this gentleman had recently launched a podcast. The man I speak of is Rich Roll, but it was the voice and the words of his wife, Julie, who BJ could not wait to bring into my awareness. He knew that she would speak to my soul, and he was right. I was captivated and inspired by her to speak more of the truth that has moved through me my entire life, and it was on that ride that I realized I was being drawn closer to getting behind a microphone, and I knew that once I did, Julie would absolutely need to be on the other end at one point. Although we've never met in the physical, I have met her energetically many times, and I can say that Julie Pyatt, also known as her spiritual name, Srimati, is nothing less than a gift on this earth. She is a woman, a divine warrior, a mother, a wife, and a powerful soul expressing love, compassion, and truth through her ex human experience. She is the example of someone who follows the breadcrumbs of life and shows up to whatever comes her way because she knows that every bend in the path, every circumstance of life, no matter the challenge, is for our highest opportunity to expand. By all standards, a healthy adult, Julie developed a golf ball-sized cyst in her neck, which she chose to heal on her own, even though every doctor said it was incurable without surgery. 
a pivotal and I would assume very empowering experience in her life unlocked a new level of understanding that food is medicine. I would say it was a divine unfolding to strengthen her resolve in the unknown, the place where so much of her purpose has been found. Expressing herself as a singer-songwriter, homeschooling her children, being a pioneer of the unschooling movement, becoming a plant-based chef, author of three best-selling cookbooks, and so, so much more, all born from the great unknown. Julie is the host of For the Life of Me podcast and founder of Shrimu, whose sacred mission is to connect us with why eating plant-based cheese is the higher path for the body, our animals, and our planet. Julie allows life to unfold because she trusts that life loves her and there are many forces working on her behalf. She encourages us all to spend time going inside each day, whether that is gazing into our eyes in the mirror, sitting in meditation, or making space for devotional practice in our lives. She knows that what she is connected to is no different than what is available and waiting for each one of us. The knowing I received on that cold November day was inclusive of the understanding that when time and circumstance presented, I would know when to reach out and invite Julie to be on the show. That moment happened a few months ago, and today, on World Meditation Day, I am honored to welcome this divine being to the YTP. Julie Pyatt, thank you so much for being here. Oh my goodness, Jess, what a beautiful, beautiful intro. I'm so touched. Thank you so much. I remember you as a collective Yogi Tri, and I remember just comments on social media. Like I knew you guys were there as much as we feel that social media is such a, a barrier to connection in so many ways. I really felt your your presence in those very early tender, tender moments when Rich and I were forging our path. So it's truly an honor to be with you and, and share the space. You know, as uh, my friend Guru Singh says, you know, it takes one to know one. So blessings and namaste to you both. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. And in honor of World Meditation Day and this totally tapped in community that we are sharing with you through Yogi Triathlete, we were wondering if you would lead us in just a few moments of meditation to assist those in tapping into this miraculous source that's within us. Yes, I'd be honored. So if we can all, wherever you are, if you're not driving, let's go ahead and, and go into a meditative uh, state, or, you know, or riding your bike or swimming. If you can find stillness, let's go ahead and find physical stillness. If you're in the middle of your process, let's drop into the witness consciousness where you can observe this practice. And so as we bring all of our awareness into the present moment, uh, we want to use our will to gather all of our attention uh, into the place in your heart where you where you first feel. It's that inkling, the first portal of emotion or feeling or meaning or connection. And let's go ahead and start to connect with our breath with intention. Let's use our will to coalesce all of our awareness into this single point of focus. And as you start to connect with your body, as it's breathing long, deep, fluid inhales, followed by long, deep, fluid exhales. Feel yourself start to relax. Go ahead and let your belly release and find your body uh, firm and present, yet completely fluid and relaxed. 
And as the body is breathing, long, deep, fluid inhales, as you get to the top of that inhaling breath, let's pause for just a moment and then let's exhale, letting all the breath release out at the base of the exhale. Let's pull our bladder into our spine and take another pause. And then again, inhaling. Long, deep, fluid inhale, pausing at the top and long, deep, fluid exhale, releasing all the breath out, drawing the belly into the spine and pausing. And now continuing to breathe like that, I want you to change your awareness of focus. And so rather than drawing prana or breath or life force in from just your nose and your mouth, I want you to shift the awareness and start to experience your whole body breathing. You are drawing in prana or life force from the whole body. Whole body is breathing. You are drawing in life force from your entire life energetic form. So suddenly you're drawing in life force from an entire organ organism, like you are your own self-sustainable ecosystem, and you are drawing in life force from your back, your spine, your hamstrings, your calves, your feet, your thighs, your belly, your chest, your face, your arms, your hands, your eyeballs, your teeth, the crown of your head, whole body is breathing whole body is connected to the ecosystem whole body is experiencing a total connection and so breathe in this space for just a few more moments and experience the expansion in the energetic field with a simple shift of awareness and intention to take in life force from the whole body. Breath is not just air, it is prana or life force. And so with this whole body breathing meditation, as athletes and as human beings, we can gather energetic support, connection, amplification, power, vital energy, and expansion from this experience. So feeling your body expanded, alive, vital and free. Start to bring your awareness back into that heart space where we first felt the inkling of emotion. 
And then as you're ready, you can gently return into this space, opening your eyes, or if you're training or swimming or riding, you can add a leg onto your journey. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe we should just do that for the whole hour. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> that would be a way to trap them, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm glad you asked me that, though. It was just you asked me that just very spontaneously. But that's a it's in my yoga practice, this whole body breathing awareness is when I'm teaching yoga, I'm always cueing to whole body breathing. And if you've been on retreat with me, everybody starts chanting, you know, I know whole body breathing, because it's, I say it a lot. But as athletes, and as people who want to empower their bodies to be vitally healthy, you know, and connected, um, it's as if, you know, if you ask somebody, well, visualize yourself, most people will just visualize their head. So as we start to activate consciousness as the gaze of divine intelligence, as the awareness of consciousness as you, it's almost like you bring the light into all aspects of your being. And so as a for athletes, it's a very powerful practice of activating all of you so that you can perform or experience your race or training at a very high level. And that's exactly what our, our mission is. And that and that's how we feel that this mission will create a better world because we've got more people living from the present moment, more people living from this connection that we are complete and whole. Uh, we are loving, compassionate, powerful beings here on this earth for a purpose and that it far exceeds the finish line. Yet, and I've been so guilty of it, we get caught up in the data and the information and we forget that who we are and what we are capable of is so much more than what is read on our watch. Definitely, and what I would say being uh, a completely different life form than one of an athlete and one that I've always spoken to Rich about and which is, you know, He's not experiencing this at this place, but I think the, the next step of immersing oneself in this physical activity is to literally do it for the love of it, like for the sheer, pure love. And so um, there's all kinds of things that can be experienced in, in a training, but really, you know, I, I guess probably a lot of athletes listen to podcasts, which is great because they know about you guys and they know about Rich Roll. And I feel like there's another possibility of activating the talk to your physical mechanism, right? The te sacred technology for your spirit. So most of us have this automatic negative self-talk, you know, it's like, we're like, well, you're okay. You're pretty okay. But I wish you have always wanted blue eyes or I've always wished my thighs were stronger or thinner. And we have this very kind of shitty conversation with our physical body all day long. And I always use this example, like if you and I were having lunch and we'd never met each other in person and you sat down in front of me and said, well, you're pretty okay. But I just want to tell you that I wish your eyes were a different color. I would probably not see you again after that. You know, that that wouldn't be like a really kind thing, right? You would kind of say, well, why are you talking to me this way? And so um, recently, a, a very dear friend of mine, an old friend of mine's brother had a massive heart attack 
last week. Thankfully, uh, he did not die um, and he can walk and he can eat, but he can't speak. And so I was doing a session with him over Zoom. He's in another country and I was activating his awareness that he can talk to his brain. He can ask his brain to repair certain parts of the brain that are not functioning. But I think it, it's something we miss is that our body is a living intelligence and we can choose to speak to it as our most cherished friend or family member or loved one, or we can brutalize it through looping self-talk. But I think it's, it's an important thing. And especially now during these profound times uh, where vital energy, health, vitality is something I think we're more focused on um, that just experimenting with telling your body how much you love her or him and just see, like, just do it for five minutes and then just see how you feel. And then maybe contrast it and speak to the way you always speak to it <laughs> and just compare those two experiences. And you can see that, you know, thoughts are things and energetic patterning does affect, meaning thoughts and looping and these type of things, it does affect the way you feel, the way your body performs. And so um, also like I've been living a very Ayurvedic experience during this quarantine. And the beauty of quarantine is that it is an imposed Ayurveda, which Ayurveda is the Eastern Indian science of medicine. And you mentioned my experience clearing this cyst in my neck. And that was through the use of Ayurveda. And part of Ayurveda is living a present life. And so you don't over schedule your life. You know, you have times when you wake up and you pray and you do mantra and times when you practice yoga. And then you have times when you uh, work or eat or commune. And then you have time when you go to bed. And this awareness of Ayurveda is, it's the awareness that is the big gift. And the big gift of this quarantine is the time to actually know what is going on in your body, to have the time to have the awareness to say, oh, my, I feel a slight constriction in the top of my head. I haven't drank, I didn't drink enough water. Let me go have water. Or I'm quite tired right now. I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> you know, these are such basic things of life, but in a modern life, we don't allow for any of it. And when I had this cyst in my neck and my Ayurvedic physician, um, you know, he said to me, how much stress do you have in your life? And I gave him this answer about how creative I was as, you know, I'm always inventing something or creating something. And he didn't buy that. He didn't take my answer. He didn't buy it. He just said, you know, you don't invite unwanted guests into your home. Sometimes they arrive and you have to deal with them, but you don't start planning your life from a point of a depletion. And his comment to me was quite strong. And he said, because I was dealing with certain business people at the time, I was doing some interior design and had clients and was working every weekend and night and anytime they called. And he said, um, do you, do, how many of those clients do you think are going to be in your hospital room when you get cancer? And suddenly I was like, none of them. And he was like, exactly. So where are your priorities? So I think that's a, I went off on a tangent, but that is something that is very, very sacred and precious about this quarantine. Yeah, it's, it's really opportunity. And I, I like that you, you phrased it like that. And bringing it into 
bringing it into our athletes who this is the perfect time to grow. This is the perfect time when there aren't any races, there aren't, there's uncertainty. And are you going to embrace this, this time to do exactly, as you mentioned, are you going to feel into your body? You're going to step away from those five hour workouts and maybe do an hour and then be with yourself during that extra time. And what we found is it's, it's extremely challenging because it's questioning at the root what, why they're doing what they're doing. And a lot of them don't have the answer. They don't. I mean, definitely. And I, and I would say, I mean, I, I think that most athletes do not stretch enough that it's always the, you know, the yoga that's the last priority or that, you know, and then it's like, oh, my back's killing me or my hamstrings are like lead or whatever that is. So, and I think it's this thing of running away from yourself also, you know, what is the uh, directive of your training? Are you running away from yourself or are you running to drop in? You know, could be, could be either this addiction to a constant motion I think creates an opportunity for someone to suddenly sit with maybe maybe there's some trauma, some emotional trauma or something that needs to be looked at that needs to be cleared out of your system. And you can't run everything out of your system or train everything out. Like there is an emotional component that begs to be resolved or faced or transformed. Yeah. And I love that. And something that I've heard you say before is like running is not a meditation. And I 100% agree with that. It can be a meditative movement, but I wouldn't consider it meditation. Can you expand on, on the perspective of that? Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, I mean, I think everybody's different and I know why I said that. And, and, uh, and I still would say <laughs> that. And, it, but you know, in my case, I'm not an athlete, but let's just, let me bring it back to me so that I can personalize it. And that is, you know, I read a lot of books, a, a lot of spiritual texts that would say meditate. And then I'd go read another book and I go, look at it, it says meditate right there. And meditation's there. Let me go read another book. So it's like in the beginning when we're young and we're trying to find that, that which we're seeking, you know, it's like in a way we're running away from ourselves. And it's usually in the times of trauma or enforced quarantine. You know, it's like, Every once in a while, I think to myself, well, this is global and it just takes my breath away because it's such a planetary state right now. And that's just, just an amazing occurrence, you know? But again, it's like nothing takes the place of actually going into meditation now. And there's different types of meditation. So there's certain practices that have like the visualization that I just did. That's actually one type of meditation but if we went deeper, we might drop out of that visualization and drop into emptiness. Or another meditative technique would be, would be sitting in awareness and allowing all things with no technique. So there's many, many, there's thousands of techniques that lead, lead you to meditation. And some people have very active minds. And so they're never going to be able to just drop into stillness. But I guess what I would say is that, yeah, running is not meditation and neither is reading about meditation is not meditation. <laughs> so, you know, so let's just, yeah. And, uh, you know, that may be conducive to your life design. It may be a little bit more difficult, you know, for you. So, you know, I have this great celebration of diversity and I, I don't think anybody has the one thing, but I, I will say that if you can find a way to drop into 
nothingness, some space. It's in that void, which is really full. It's actually not empty at all. It's fullness, but there's nothing for you to do in that space except be. And in the beingness, you are rejuvenated and filled. You are filled. And it's it's a refuge. It's a, a place of rejuvenation, nourishment. The one thing you didn't mention in your amazing intro of me is my Water Tiger spiritual community. I have a community online and I named it Water Tiger because the purpose of it is to provide techniques that allow people to connect with the remembrance of who they are, honoring diversity. So there's no program or protocol or journey. It's all about these tools to allow you to remember your being. And in that, um, yesterday, we we have a monthly call and, and I was sharing on the call that now at this time of so much uncertainty, the things that we thought were secure in our modern world are being revealed to not be what we thought they were. Um, we can't seem to get a consensus, which I would say there is no consensus in creation. So you know, there's just a bunch of different perspectives. But at least within that, again, you must become your own authority. That is your truth. And so your life is about you and you. And so this is why the meditation practice is so important right now. Um, not so that you can believe what some lineage says is the way, or you can believe this politician or this doctor or not any of that, so that you can feel yourself, so that you can really be connected and then you will be guided into what is true for you. And that's why as warriors, spiritual warriors, and I would say that's all of us that are alive in a body right now during this timeline, mm -hmm. um, that we take this opportunity and understand that this is the work. And, you know, I was sharing, you know, it's easy to love, you know, your lover or your partner or someone that you like a lot. It's a mission to love the unlovable, you know? And so this is what is, we can either serve fear or serve love. And so how do we broaden our capacity? We broaden our capacity by caring for our own life form. Because when we care for our own life form as a sacred technology and a, a divine, cherished, valued, needed spirit and consciousness, then we have a greater capacity to share with animals, plants, the earth, and each other. I'm so glad you mentioned Water Tiger uh, because it was something that I wanted to put in the intro and I forgot. So thank you for filling in that void. And I encourage everyone to go check that out. You can get to it through your website, right? Yeah, it's juliepyatt.com and that has everything on it. Yeah. I love what you touched upon there about like going in and tending to, you know, our, our own form here first. And you are a mother. And we have a lot of mothers that listen to this show that are also athletes, that are also wives, that are um, the head of the household. And there's a lot to, to balance there. And so for a mother, an athlete, a mother, a wife, a business person, whatever it may be, even we can even be talking about men here, is this idea of caring for ourselves first so that we 
can be available for others. Like how do we, how does someone begin to even make sense of that when their household needs them? How can they take time for themselves? Yeah, this is, I meant except mothers. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Your mothers are screwed. I'm kidding. Except mothers is what I meant. No. Okay. So I think this is really, really important. And I think that we need to understand. Now, first of all, if anybody knows me, I'm a mother, if I'm anything, like I'm, I'm mother, 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 mother. And my kids are my greatest gurus. And, and I do not live or experience life through my children. Okay. So that's a very different, I'm an artist. I do a lot of things. I, you know, work on myself a lot, um, but I have very strong mother energy and not only for my own kids, but for many other people come to me and they have that experience with my offerings. Um, but what I would offer is I would say that we have this spiritual, I think it's a, an implant of control that taught us that being spiritual means sacrificing yourself. And so it was a worthy trait, and especially with women, to lay your life down for your family, your lover, a cause. It was sort of like, well, you're better able to handle it so you can hold some of the suffering for those around you. And I experience, have experienced this in my life a lot. And I think where my journey led me was to understand that actually your children are waiting for you to claim yourself. Your children are waiting for you to love yourself so, so profoundly because in this act, you free them. It's almost like you choosing yourself is actually giving them wings or expanding them. And it also gives you the capacity to actually really love from an unconditional compassionate stance. Because when we're uh, being Lakshmi and we're doing everything and we're taking on all the responsibilities in life and not nurturing ourselves as our most cherished and beloved life form, we are not able to love in an expanded compassion. We might be able to love at a certain human level where we're, you know, we're doing okay, but it's not, it's not really that deep. And what we have to understand is that every single relationship, event, experience, children included, lovers, every single thing will fall away. And so what I see and experience is maybe women or people who have devoted their lives to other people. And then the kids grow up, they leave, the relationship dissolves. And the person is like, what do you, what do you mean? I sacrifice my entire life for all of you. Right. And that's a choice of experience. And I don't feel like that is really the highest, most expanded way um, for us to be alive because each one of us, we took a body to realize a very unique mission. So there's not another of all these mothers or these caregivers, there's not another one of them in, in the entire multiverse, omniverse. And so their purpose isn't to martyr themselves. And one thing that I realized, which was a very hard awareness, it took a while is that I used to 
feel that loyalty was a very great quality, like very altruistic, like loyal, like I'm loyal. And then as I gazed into that more deeply in meditation, I discovered that the other side of loyalty is martyrdom. And I would have fought back against that because I would have said, I'm not a martyr. Like I don't expect other people to do what I want to do. You know, I, I handle my stuff, you know, it's not passive aggressive, but it's like, I can handle more pain than you. So let me do it. That's a martyr. So my point is, is that, and this is water tiger. And it's probably very, like, it's probably very curious to some people because my whole thing is that you have to discover who you are and then you express that very purely. And so for me and my life form, I'm here to create beauty. So I create beauty in images and food and fashion and music and environments and life and community, these kind of things. And so rather than judge myself or say, well, if you were really spiritual, you would be wearing a robe and you would shave your head, right? So I went through that. I went through that exploration. I didn't shave my head, but I considered. But as I gaze more deeply into that experience, that is also a, an outfit. It's also just a flavor of life. It's a choice. And so I started to, rather than look at uh, what I felt was lacking in my life, and I started to look at my design as divine. So then I was like, oh, I like creating beauty. I like clothes. I like environments. That's part of my divine design. And so I'm going to go with that. I'm going to celebrate it and honor it. And I'm, that's my portal. So, you know, you said in the intro that I love myself and that feels very beautiful to me that you said that. And maybe 10 years ago, I would have felt embarrassed that you said that, or I would have, you know, it's like, I mean, don't we all just need to love ourselves? I mean, if we all loved ourselves, wouldn't we create a beautiful world? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that, you know, that's a, a reflection on that. And, I, you know, it, speaking personally, like I know what it feels like to hate myself. I know what it feels like to be in those, those negative loops. And why is it so against the grain to choose this love? Like what is this programming that we have that is telling us we're we're not good enough we can always do better be better look better feel better and it's it's holding us back from this ability to love because we're stuck behind all of these shoulds mm -hmm. i should be doing this or i should be doing that i should be a better mother i should be you know walking the kids to the bus stop i don't i don't know but what is your breakdown of this kind of this programming and and I don't mean that as a conspiracy theory I, I mean it because I really believe that this <laughs> that this earth that we came into is kind of a shit show right it, it's it's very much as soon as we come out of that womb we're labeled we're you know we're in a birth order where we have a we have all of this identity that's put on us and I think over time if we don't wake up from that it really locks down our limits to be able to love ourselves or even find out what we love. Yeah, that's a really, really profound question and, and query and one that we should, I mean, it, it would be helpful for us to really look into that. So I'm not very good with facts and figures, and I'm not like a history buff or anything like that. But I'll just say generally, 
that I would say it's a few things. I would say, first of all, that it is a intentional program of removing the feminine power from her spiritual place as a leader and as a, a way shower, a guide, a counsel, a worthy leader that has the ability for compassion and community. Um, so the entire society removed that. It was on purpose, which is why the churches then remove the feminine from their stories or whatever. And this is a planetary agenda, right? So we have to understand that um, we haven't even experienced what it is to be a divine feminine because it's never existed, but we're doing it now. We're doing it now. And that goes the for thing, men too, like men yeah, the, to embody exactly. this. That's really good that you said that. So yes, everyone has both masculine and feminine within them. And it's not about women then acting masculine. That's also not it. <laughs> you know, like mothers are just, uh, they have a grand capacity, like a vast capacity. It's just this amazing ability to lead to be a woman. And, and when, we have to ask ourselves, when were we told that uh, women need to be pleasing uh, non-confrontational, pleasant, peacemakers, you know, feminine. We were told that women had to be like that, but Mother Earth is all of it. She's beautiful. She's um, sublime. She's magnificent. She's soft. She's fierce. She's unrelenting. You know, so it's like being being a full feminine energy is not just all one soft way. Like you know, so this is what we're stepping into. So sometimes mama has to say no and mom, you know, like enough, you know, but that's a place that's very uncomfortable to be in. Um, and I think one of the things that I'm cultivating in my life is to be able to say no in love, to be able to say no in love. No, that is not going to be allowed and not open up that rage of all those thousands of years of oppression that's there, right? But just be like the mama, like the guide, like, uh-uh, right? So that's all one part that I think we're in a place where we are going to learn these things. And we need feminine embodied beings to be the leaders. And that doesn't mean that it's necessary. It has to do with a physical body part. It has to do with what do you understand about leading, about being heart connected, understanding that the heart is the supreme intelligence, not the mind. The mind is a tool that's very useful, but the heart and the feeling tone in the body, you will know by the way your body feels if something is true, good, pure, fair. You'll know the way your body feels, not what you've been told in your head. And the other side of that is, you said in the intro, it's earth school. And this is the realm where, the, you know, this is the best place in the cosmos to be, because this is where the action's happening right now. And the potential for evolution in this space right now is just unheard of, like unprecedented. And so the fact that we've been saying goodbye to so many of our earth family during this time, this is also happening all the time. And in other, in other formats, you know, we don't even know about it or pay attention to it. 
but especially now around this quarantine and, and this virus and what's happening, at least this focus. So a lot of our human family, um, I think it's more than the Vietnam War, um, have transitioned in the U.S. alone. And so uh, this gives us the opportunity to uh, really understand how privileged we are to be alive. What a privilege of life. What a blessing. I have a very dear friend of mine who has been in the hospital for six weeks. Very close friend. You know, I'm moving my body. I'm dancing for her. You know, I'm so aware of the privilege. You know, we're alive. Most of us are quarantined. We're not being bombed. There's a scale of privilege here or economic state. But many of us have an opportunity to really recommit and vow to make this life the most meaningful and not in a way of pressure or beating yourself up, but in a way of truly devoting yourself to cultivating self-love, finding out what it is that you were created to do. What do you love? What did you love as a child? What is unique to you? Or what is something that you love? And really devoting this self-love to yourself and understanding that when you do that, that ripples out. It ripples out into your partners, your children, your community, just the creation in the, in the energetic of life. You know, we have an opportunity to almost an honor to those who chose this transition point. And that's my perspective, that we don't waste the life. There's much, much, much evolution to be done. All of us are different. All of us have a different thing to bring. We need to bring it. We need to find it and we need to bring it. 100%. Yeah, as scary and as doubtful as the mind wants to be, right? And when you get up to that point of uh, when you find out what you love and then you, you start to analyze it or microanalyze it and all the obstacles that are in the way that, that are going to deter you from achieving that. And that's what, what we have found in our stories. And I know in, in you and Rich is life, like many obstacles and, and brick walls that were there and continually showed up. Despite those, we continue to move forward. And it's in that fear of not knowing. It's in the fear of not knowing. And in my experience, my personal experience, I sort of uh, switched things around and took the opposite. So every time I would find myself not wanting to jump into the ocean because of sharks or not wanting to go into work and confront a coworker because it was scary and it was uncomfortable. So this is the exact time to do that stuff. And this is what we're trying to, trying to stir up with our community is this is you need, need to embrace this as the jumping off point. So if you've been telling yourself, you know, I don't want to go back to my job or I don't want to um, sit in the, on the five for, you know, two hours to get to my, um, to the job that I, I'm not really happy about. You don't have to. And so our mission to give people permission to do this is at an all time high. And I'm finding more and more that this quarantine, this experience, although we are on the path, we're in the community of being on the path and this warrior path. I like how you say that, that we need to, even rise it even further. I, I see even more opportunity with myself. Um, Jess was talking about changing our nightly routine on the trail, our three hour trail run yesterday. <laughs> it was a good time. I was like, we're on an uphill. I'm going to lay it on them now. 
we're changing our nightly routine. <laughs> no, I said I was changing my nightly right, routine. But because we're so <laughs> close in this tiny studio, my routine would be disrupted. And I felt myself immediately go internal. Zip the mouth because you, what you're going to say is not going to be good. <laughs> and process it a little bit. So my point here is this mission that we're on, this warrior path, is never going to be done. It's, it's you need to jump on the path and continually go, and it's going to continually show up. And to be frank, it's going to be stronger and, and, and more challenging as you go deeper. Or it could, I guess you could look at it as it being more, uh, more being in alignment with, with who you are. You understand that these are the steps necessary to take that. So you're one who continually shows up like you're, I've felt this from you from the first time, you know, a long time ago, I heard your voice. Um, how do you, how do you continually notice the challenges, the fears or the doubts, if there are any? And then how do you quickly shift to continually move forward? Yeah. Um, well, I would say that I don't have a lot of fear or doubts. And I think that comes from really taking the time to know myself or to know, to choose the life, you know, that I want to live. And I guess I was shown through a nine year financial collapse and dismantling, which was our, what I call our sacred moment, one of our sacred moments. And it's very similar to this time, the, the juiciness and the connection and the profound quality of this time is, is a ripe fertile soil for bringing out uh, what it, you know, what is latent and what, what wants to express inside of you. Um, I would say that I, that I em embrace the unknown and that I'm aware of the unknown always. Even every time a loved one exits the room, I'm acutely aware of the fragility of life. It's maybe part of my human design, part of the way that I am, but I never take anything for granted. I'm never, I'm never on automatic. I don't, I don't live on automatic. So I've been shown <laughs> uh, that it's being present in the moment, uh, rooted and aligned in what is true for you or your energetics or your breath or your whole body breathing, that the life becomes a meditative experience. And I can be doing a lot. I could be dancing. I could be cooking. But it's this awareness of this second attention of um, that life is, is having its way. Life is moving through. And um, I have a lot of visions and intentions. I mean, I just, I launched a plant-based cheese company and I'm having branding meetings and look meetings and writing music right now. And, you know, we're doing, I'm doing a lot of things, but I guess ultimately when I go to bed at night, I offer my day to the greater aspect of me, the future self of me, or the cosmic being that is the universal creator of me. And then when I get up, I, I dedicate my life to that force. And so it's sort of like, I'm not afraid um, because I'm in union with that, that consciousness or that greater aspect. And there's no way out of this, but through like you, there is only walking through, there is only experiencing through we're in this process. And because I'm so rooted in my faith of 
the cosmic picture that exists beyond this. It's not like an escape though, because even if you opt out, you're, it's not like there's one place you go to and everything's great. It's just all different levels of life. And so I think being in a body right now at this time is a huge privilege. And if we understood the capacity for evolution, we would be freaking out at, just as a soul. And so because, uh, because so much profound exiting is happening and we understand the fragility of life, I just think it's a really good time to really dedicate yourself to finding out who you are, to remembering who you are. It's almost as if you knew you only had four months to live, what would you be doing? If you only had three months to live, what would you be doing? If you only had two months to live, what would you do today? If you only had a month to live, how would you spend today? And then you can keep going and you, it can help you really refine your priorities and what you're spending time doing. So, yeah. Yeah. So I just think that writing your own obituary or facing your death is the greatest portal to freedom. Because if you're not afraid to die because you understand that we are eternal life forms and the life does not end. Um, and if you can start to grab that awareness, then it's a much bigger picture. It's a much bigger drama in a way. And you can uh, choose with intention how you want to spend your life. I think um, we move through life forgetting that this body was never meant to last. And that, you know, we all have an expiration date. Uh, one of the... I. Back in 2009, I was over in India and I was teaching massage to um, Tibetan refugees and, you know, just learned so much from them. And, but one of the things that I learned from them, which I've kept with me since that, that time, is that every day they're living like it's their last day. You know, that they, that they are so aware that they're not going, that their physical body will not be on this earth forever, that they live with so much intention and presence that even though they have experienced, I mean, losing everything, including their country, that they still live with such a high level of contentment and joy and selflessness and compassion. It was just- Isn't that interesting? It's amazing. So profound. And I remember I said to them one night, we were having tea after class, and I said, what message, what do you want me to bring back to America? Like what- you know, these, these girls that we were teaching had walked across the Himalayas at night, you know, in handmade boots, fearing for their lives, right? And these amazing angels that were guiding them to safety in Dharamsala, to Dharamsala. And they had, you know, experienced things that I've never experienced growing up on Cape Cod. Like I, I never experienced anything like that before. And I said, what, what do you want me to bring back to America? And they said, we want people in your country to not persecute China for, for taking our country, essentially, that they were just misled and that nobody needs to be punished and that we are okay and we are happy and we are thriving and that nobody, you know, that was the big message was that nobody needs to be punished and please bring back this message of compassion and love. 
that we need to love mm. more. Mm. So That's powerful, amazing. like life changing. So powerful. Yeah. Mm. And I remember calling BJ from, you know, some payphone in Dharamsala and saying, just keep an eye on me when I get home that I don't get rid of everything we own, which funny enough, which, did, which funny right. enough actually ended up happening in 2015. Um, so it was a precursor to what's to come. So uh, we're getting to the end of our time, but I just really want to give you a little bit of a, a platform here for Srimu and this amazing company that you've uh, launched out to expand our awareness that uh, we don't have to eat or drink the milk of a cow anymore. Thank God. Oh, thank you for that. During my exploration of food as art and when I was creating uh, plant-based recipes for my three cookbooks, I, I came upon the wonderful uh, potential in plant-based cheese. And I knew that there was a whole world to discover in there. And so I spent years actually testing uh, recipes. And it, I have this thing with my makeup or my design where I'm, I don't believe that I have to be technically trained in anything to do it. And in a way, I'm sort of like a child. So I don't even like to know what somebody else does. I kind of just go in my own process. And I, and this revealed a series of cheese recipes that actually blew me away. Like I never imagined that I would be able to create cheese that was as creamy, full-bodied, cheesy, tangy, like all those flavors that we love um, in a plant-based cheese. I mean, I knew I could make something that was palatable or tasteful, but not something like this. And so um, after a lot of consideration, um, I had a fashion company in the late 1990s and so I knew what it was like to be an entrepreneur and the work that it took and just also, you know, a lot of other aspects of business waste and things like that. And so I took a long time before I actually made the decision to make Shrimu into a food company. But um, I did, and I'm really glad that I did. Uh, Shrimu is actually a beauty brand. It is an offering of beauty. Um, it's got an amazing branding that was created by my friend, Brian O'Hara, who's an amazing fine artist who's written and read backwards his entire life. And so my company is called Shrimu Do Life, Not Cheese. And the do of do life means devotional offering. So the branding on Shrimu is devotional offering in reverse in Brian's coding. And it's just this super gorgeous, uh, you know, pattern. And so Shrimu is created um, to give people options and to welcome them in with unconditional love. And we focus on uh, creating a beautiful life. And so creating a beautiful life means experiencing more love. So that means not harming any animals. Um, it means loving yourself. So it's nourishing your body and cultivating this amazing frequency of vital energy in your body. And it's also loving our mother earth uh, that we are not separate from, that we are connected to. And it's delivered though in this beautiful offering that proves to you that you don't have to sacrifice, you, you know, you don't have to go without, you can enjoy all of your favorite cheesy tastes through this product. So it's offered via a subscription service um, up until um, now we have an altar box. So it's a reusable sacred altar box. You can remove the inside out and then store your teas in it or 
or spices, or it could actually be your meditation, um, your candle, your incense, a sacred cloth, maybe some essences. So it can be, it's really a sacred altar box. Um, and we're, we're going to be uh, releasing some new products. So we have uh, the sacred altar box, which is six cheeses. It's four aged wheels plus two fresh cheeses, one fresh mozzarella, very wet and creamy that's shipped in um, salted crystal waters. And then there's not your grandma's cheese ball uh, bonfire, which is a smoky ball, super delicious. Um, but then we also have a three or four pack where you can just get the wheels. And then we have a community pack that I've actually created to support uh, my beloved spiritual community in Italy called Dom and Her. Um, Dom and Her is uh, a spiritual community that has been in existence for over 45 years. And they are the masters of community. Um, they uh, built temples to mankind inside a mountain in secret. And it's the largest underground temple um, the most extraordinary, beautiful uh, community effort I've ever witnessed. And um, uh, Shrimu actually in, for Europe is going to be produced in Domenher. Uh, so at Shrimu, everyone who touches your cheese is a sacred maker and nobody touches the cheese until we have meditated. So we do a similar breathing to the whole body breathing before we've touched the cheese. And um, we're just very excited, looking forward to expanding. And actually, we have been invited into Erwan. So we're going to be um, going into some specialty retail in a very intentional way. But Erwan is the best health market maybe in the world. And so uh, we're very honored to have been invited in to um, co-create with them. Such, um, such a profound story and the way, you know, just what we know of it from following you for these years and to see where you are today. I mean, it just, it, it makes me emotional um, because as we've seen you and, and your husband, you know, just rise up um, through what you've so generously shared with everyone, our response to each other all the time has always been like, we're so happy for them. We're so excited Aww. to see where they are. Like, oh my gosh, she just launched a new company. Oh my gosh, she's got Water Tiger. Oh my gosh, she's got a podcast, thank God. And um, and I feel like you have served um, as an opportunity for me to uh, really express my joy for the success of other people. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much just for that. It's been so wonderful. And, um, and I am not going to close this podcast until my husband shares... <laughs> The story that he shared with me yesterday. I know he's like, damn it. I thought ah, I was going to we escape away. without this. I know. He's got the most beautiful, <laughs> Here, BJ. beautiful, divine, feminine energy. Yeah, and, it's pretty, um, pretty, which pretty has, strong. you know, we came together, man and, and, and woman, but I had the yang energy and he had the yin energy. And thank goodness for you, my love. Yeah, I'm glad I'm here. I'd probably be you. serving <laughs> multiple life sentences in a maximum security prison right now. <laughs> I didn't find him in yoga. Um, but please share that story with Julie because I really think she Yeah, I had remembered. Uh, my memory is not always that great, but I, I recall in 2015, um, we had moved back to Rhode Island. I was working my full-time job, which the same company for, at that point, almost you know, 18, 19 years. Um, I worked right out of college. And I came to a point where we'd moved back from Boulder, um, back to Newport, and I was like, 
it's kind of stuck. This was 2015. And there was a, um, there was a time I, I left the office and I went to go run on the track and just to break away from the day. And I listened to, I think I looked back cause I wanted to see what it was. And I think it was podcast 141 from, from Rich. It was asked, you know, ask both of you, um, questions. And at the end of the podcast, your song had played and I didn't even remember the name of the song, but now I do. It's in the sun. But I remember listening to it and I, I recall now, I didn't know if it was before or after the workout, but it was certainly after because I listened to it a few times and it, it, um, your voice connected with me. So now that I've listened to it a few times in the present, in the last few days, like I understand the words, but it was your voice that uh, that really connected with me and allowed me to to maybe uh, spark something inside that there was something more, and that the gray skies of New England and being in an office um, working for a hospitality company that promoted products that I weren't aligned with really. I think uh, sparked something that a year later from that moment, I was out of that job. We had sold everything and we were on the road for six months to move to California. But it really touched me deeply. And I've, I've actually listened to it on the bike a few times now. And the days of listening to Green Day that really like <laughs> power me through stuff. There's things like your voice um, and that song that really ignite uh, something inside that that allows me to be more of who I am, and that's truly what I realized from that situation. And I and I acted upon it, and so we're here now, um, five years later, and we're podcasting together. And I just wanted to share with you that I, I, I thank you for taking that risk on your side to to sing, and, um, and just thank you for being you. BJ, thank you for that. It's uh, extremely touching to me. Um, so it's, uh, it's so profound. Um, the song In the Sun is a song that I wrote for Rich during uh, some of the most trying parts of our financial collapse. And I remember it was coming through and I remember looking at him down the hall and I had told him that he was supposed to train first. Um, take care of me and the, and the kids next. And then if a law jo job just dropped on his lap, he could do that. But that, that was it. He couldn't look for a law job and he was tortured because we were, we had no money and everything was like, we'd had cars repossessed. I mean, it was a whole thing. So I just remember him suffering and I've had this profound experience with the North shore of Kauai. Uh, I've been taken there by other people, I believe six of the eight times that I've been on the island. And it's been a very profound portal of activation for me. And, you know, Rich started the Ritual podcast on that island on the North Shore. I started creating vegan recipes on the North Shore, like the Plant Power Way. That was all because I was in the test kitchen. We were on an island stranded and I was just cooking, 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 you know, creating. But um, you know, maybe I'll write about this sometime, but I've had like numerous mystical experiences on a, on a beach on that point. And so it's a very, very sacred portal. Now on the way back, uh, on the plane, I didn't have a chorus and I heard the chorus or it maybe it's like a bridge. Say I'm, I don't know about so song structure. I just channel whatever comes out. So 
it says fly daddy fly fly daddy fly and for a minute my brain was like i don't know is that cheesy like what and then i was like just leave it don't edit yourself just like literally is that fast so as we were going through financial collapse and we started to so rich was doing his training and that was making sense for him which made no money and i was creating music which makes no sense it makes no money but it was flowing and the boys and i were just deep 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 in it and so the boys started, we tried it a bunch of different ways. We sang that song through all those years of our, of our family together. Um, but they said, you know, we feel like it's not only about Rich, but it's also about our dad. And so, and their dad was Lou Pyatt, who I was married to for 10 years, who's the father of my two precious boys. So um, as life would have it, we finally, uh, Rich had, we had been on, on the big island um, Rich had DNF'd from Ultraman. Uh, Tyler and I had walked to a music store just in Javi, like up on the corner. And Tyler took down an, an ook and showed me how to play a couple things. And then we said to the store owner, do you mind if we sing? And she said no. And so we sang in the sun. And when we finished singing, we looked up and she was sobbing, like completely just sobbing. And Tyler and I walked out. I remember we were carrying, he was carrying his guitar and we were walking on the Hawaiian soil and he kind of looked at me and I looked at him and he was like, oh, so that was really good. Because <laughs> as a musician, like, you know, you hope that your music affects somebody, right? So he was like, okay, that was, that was a good one, right? But the, the, what you're feeling from that song is the truth of the frequency that we were living in when that song wrote and in the sun to me you and the sun are much more than you know the sun represents the galactic sun which is the multi-dimensional portal into the greatness of your being that's what that's what that lyric means um later on uh the boy's dad would uh take his transition point um in a very surprising way, we were recording that album in my house, sequestered. Their dad, Lou, came by to see us. He listened in the headphones. I remember him holding the boy's hands. He left laughing. The last physical contact I had with him was his laughter in the air. And we would find out two days later that he had passed. When he called 911, he was at, at sea and called 911. He was having a heart attack. Um, Tyler and I were recording the exact take that is on that album. And so when you, and after, during, Tyler said, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I'm so exhausted. I had to make him black tea for us to finish the, we did like three or four takes. And then when we finished that last take, I said, Ty, do you want to run it again? He said, no, we got it, mom. And then he goes, mom, look. And I looked at the mountains and they were all washed in a beautiful pink energy. And he said, I'm going to go to bed now. He says, he's like, I have to go lie down. It was like three in the afternoon. We found out the following day that his dad had called 911 at like, you know, just minutes before we finished the last take. And so that chorus, fly, daddy, fly, fly, daddy, fly, 
So our music carried their dad out of this realm. And it's a very profound song for me. So um, thank you for sharing that experience. And I'm, I'm touched that you felt it and that you recognize that. So maybe you guys can include that song with this episode. That would be amazing. Yes, absolutely. That? Absolutely. Oh, are you kidding me? Okay. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. I'm like, so I can send it to you or you can grab it off Spotify or however that works. Yeah. I, I, he'll figure, figure it out. It out. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Uh, what a, um, what a really powerful, beautiful way to, to end this conversation. I'm really grateful that you're in my soul group. I'm so grateful that we get to share the earth together. Back at you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, hopefully this will not be the last time that we speak. I certainly hope not. And uh, thank you both for your amazing contribution and the energy that you're sharing both together as a sacred couple and also with everyone in the airwaves of podcast land. And I'm just sending you guys so many blessings and visions for your wildest most precious dreams to be realized so thank you guys thank you thank you it's been a long hard road down the line i've lost the truest part of who i So